Fear has overtaken society in the era of COVID, but it's really not new. People have been holding themselves back due to fear since the beginning of time. But ask yourself this, what would your life look like if you didn't hold yourself back? Could your dreams come true? Would it really be so scary if you actually stepped away? Join me now when I talk to entrepreneur, speaker, marketing executive, and someone who's lived on both sides of fear, Ray Higdon. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share, share, share. Hey there, Facebook. It is great to see you. Happy Thursday. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is my health and happiness show, so I'm glad that you are here. Um, my reminders, as always, um, we got a whole bunch of these. I got a whole bunch of them um, that we've been doing. They're in the Facebook um, channel. We've got all the videos. If you look through there, if you don't want to do that, you can go to our YouTube channel, subscribe there. I've got hundreds and hundreds that actually I've been doing videos we've been doing through the years with all sorts of experts. I've got a great conversation today with Ray Higdon of the Higdon Group about fear, but I've got all sorts of stuff in there. I've got health, I've got weight loss, I've got child, I got home stuff, I've got bunions. I got so much stuff in that YouTube channel. So go check that out um, on YouTube. The Bottom Line Inc. Uh, Bottom Line Inc. is the name of that channel. Um, what else can I remind you about? I can remind you that um, the best thing you can do, the world is opening up, which is awesome. Vaccines, more people are getting vaccine and getting the vaccine and they are feeling safer and prouder and herd immunity is growing. But the most thing, important thing you can do for yourself, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whether it's the stomach bug, whatever it is, is strengthen your immune system. Take good care of yourself. That you know, our bodies are Ferraris. We're born with Ferraris, and they know what to do. But we've kind of gummed up the works. Our lives, our choice, our eating, our bad habits, all of that. So there's so much that you could do to build your immune system and strengthen your defenses against anything and everything. The media is not talking about it. Doctors aren't talking about it. I talk about it. I've got videos in there also about immune system. In bottom line. Um, about vitamin D and zinc and things that will help protect you from COVID. But also we've got a great download in the chat is a link to um, a, a free download to help you strengthen your immune system. Download it, share it. Honest to God, I just want everybody feeling confident and strong and not afraid to be out in the world because yeah, there are germs out there. There always have been germs out there and there will be germs out there forever but there are things that you can do to strengthen yourself beyond masks, beyond staying away from people. We need to hug and I want you to feel comfortable hugging. So download that. We have another download link that's going to be about pain. Like same thing. I want you, you know, sitting, aching. We're all sitting, I'm sitting 12, 15 hours at my computer. Bad news, but I walk the dog. Good news. Um, anyway, there's another download that's free that can help you with um, aches and pains and help you know how you can take care of yourself. Um, if you have questions, today. Put them on into the chat and they will be passed along to me by my friend Lauren, who is behind the scenes and behind the curtain and always sends me her little messages on chat. So I'm not, it's not my children. It's not my dog. It's not the grocery list. It's Lauren letting me know all that's going on. With that, let me welcome on Ray Higdon. Um, and let's see, I have to push a button. Where's my view? I'm not finding my view. Where's my view? Oh, there it is. Ha -ha. One hey. day, that's right. Okay. Hey, Ray. All right, let's get you on. Okay, there you go. All right, here's Ray Higdon. And he is, um, we're gonna talk about overcoming the fear that holds you back. And this is a man who has overcome fear challenge in such a big way in his life. Um, let me introduce him. And I always read it because there's so many great points that I wanna be sure that I get them all. 
Um, so Ray is the CEO and founder of the Higdon Group, which in 2018 was recognized on the Inc. 5000 as one of America's fastest growing companies. He has failed and he succeeded multiple times, learning important lessons along the way about what it takes to succeed and what holds you back from those successes, most importantly, because we all do it. He has co-authored, co along with his wife and partner, Jessica. You know what? I didn't. How many books have you done? Three, four? Yeah, we've we've done, uh, we together have done three, I think. Yeah, three, and I, I did an additional one. Okay, three great books, um, including Top Earner, uh, Multi-Level Marketing Recruiting Secrets, and his newest book, which I just read, and it's phenomenal, and we're going to talk about it now, Time, Money, Freedom, 10 Simple Rules to Redefine What's Possible and Radically Reshape Your Life. Um, his website is higdengroup.com, so go check him out, go check out that book. Okay, with all of that introduction, why don't you, Ray, tell your story, talk about what, you know, that, that big kind of all your fear, what your cha the challenges, and just to give a kind of a high level of why you're so darn qualified to talk about fear and getting over it. Sure. Um, so with, with that context, uh, I would say, uh, you know, my parents uh, split when I was very young. I think I was two or three. And at uh, three or four, I started living with my dad and my stepmom. And it was not in the greatest household. Uh, my stepmom was very abusive um, physically and, and verbally, uh, although that one, that one wasn't as hardcore. Um, so almost every morning I was woken up by being thrown against a closet and stomped and, um, you know, told that I was terrible, told that I was a piece of crap. And, and I really, you know, I look back and, and I think that she was someone that really struggled with friendships. And I don't think she, you know, she didn't have a lot of friends. And I think maybe she was, you know, picked on at work or something. And I was, I was the uh, punching bag. And, and so um, the age of 12, I was able to choose to go and live with my mom. So I moved from Indiana to uh, Florida and, um, you know, not going through the whole life history, but. Um, I don't need every day. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to get rejected at this high school prom either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you fast forward a few years and the way that I was wired, um, what uh, the landmark forum would call my act is I'll show you. And so I'll show you was um, destructive in high school, um, but it was actually beneficial in careers um, because I fed on doubt. And so I'd worked my way up in the corporate world to a pretty high paying salary to a position I wasn't actually on paper qualified for. And, and I realized something, I realized that I'd been working my way up the corporate ladder into a position where the harder I worked, the more they would pay me, but the more they would demand of me. And I was at this point, I now have, you know, two sons at home. I'm missing all their school functions because work demands. I'm having to cancel family vacations. I look at my boss and his boss and her boss, and they're all making more money, but they're also more stressed out. And I knew that that was going to be me. And so what I really desired was freedom. I wanted my personal freedom to you know, do what I wanted to do and, and also make more money, but that wasn't an option. And so in 2004, I started doing real estate on the side 
2005, I left um, that job of that career of seven years and went into real estate here in the state of Florida. So 2005, Florida real estate, what could go wrong? And uh, so I, I do well for a few years. Uh, when the market collapses, I get completely wiped out. And I wipe out my IRA, my 401k, I start selling furniture, I go through a divorce, I end up in foreclosure, then I end up living on my buddy's couch. And so it was a very hard fall from grace because I was, you know, I had been doing well in, in real estate. Um, from there, I didn't, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I got very depressed. I was drinking heavily, um, was not the model father, that's for sure. Wasn't the model anything. And, um, you know, no one was hiring. Everyone else was being crushed by real estate. My credit was shot and um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a friend invite me to check out the uh, network marketing opportunity he was doing, which I had sworn off of. I, I had tried them in the past. I was like, no, no, no. Um, I never wanted to do it again, but I really didn't have any options. I mean, again, no one's hiring. My credit shot. I'm down to two credit cards that are still allowing me to charge things magically. And, um, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this thing happen. And, um, you know, long story short, I became the number one earner in that company. Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of grit, a lot of lessons. And uh, now we, you know, my, I started dating my wife. We got married in 2011. And now we teach people how to um, do well in their business. Um, most, not all, but most of our business is with network marketing companies and leaders and, and reps. Um, but I've also coached, you know, real estate people, insurance people, and uh, we love what we do now. And uh, we're, we're glad to be here. So hopefully that wasn't too long. No, it's fine. So, but I want to tease out a piece of it because that was, I mean, the, the challenges that you've overcome were phenomenal, right? So that, you know, the abuses and you're not alone. There are so many people who are tragically sure. abused in one way or another to, yep. you know, lesser or, or greater extents of it. People who have lost. Underneath, though, talk about the fear that was created, because again, there's fear that holds us all back from either breaking free. Every day you woke up probably and were like, you know, please don't do this to me, right? And what that did to you, you talk in your book about that you kind of became invisible as a result. You were afraid of people. You were afraid there was uh, something at school that happened. And then same thing, the fear financially, when there you were a million dollars in debt yep. and you know, you'd lost everything because yeah. there, there are people that would definitely puddle in the face of all of that. And yet you didn't. So talk about the fears that, you know, your fearful demons that were in there. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's, there's different layers to it. Um, in that one of my maybe my biggest fear, I actually didn't even discover until about a year and a half ago. Didn't even know it was a fear. I just, I knew I had this certain personality trait, but I, I didn't actually know why. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, for most of my life, I slept in a ball because that gave me a reaction time to when the fists were coming and you know and i slept on my stomach because it didn't hurt as bad you know right. when my back was punched right and and so like even you know not even two years ago i still slept that way i've actually fixed that now because it's not very healthy for you to sleep <laughs> on your stomach. and um you know so so yeah i mean there was that real fear when i was a little kid of you know what's gonna happen next um and but I, the, you know, one of the bigger 
one of the fears that has been with me my entire life that I wasn't even aware of um, was uh, a fear of, of, of betrayal. Mm -hmm. And that fear of betrayal kept me, made me keep everyone at a distance. And so I'll tell you, and I talk about this, I believe in chapter two, um, but my wife and I, we were at a charity dinner last, I think it was last January, not that long ago. And my, uh, one of our neighbors comes around the corner and we are on the board, you know, the, the board for the charity. She comes around the corner and she goes, Hey, did you see the Belize trip? And, and I'm like, no. And she said, well, it's, it's awesome. It's, you know, a five day trip to Belize. It's a private jet, private yacht, private chef, private Island, only five couples. And my wife is like, Oh, right. Like she's like, that sounds like the greatest thing ever right. to me. That sounds like sheer hell. Yeah. And I mean, I don't say it because everyone's all excited and I'm just like, oh, great. Right. And I'm thinking, no, please, God, don't let us win that. Don't, right. don't please don't let us be one of the five. And so on the way home, I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? And, you know, I'm driving home and I'm thinking, you know, I look over at my wife and she's beautiful. She's super smart. She's so talented, so awesome, social butterfly. And like, I want to be a good husband. I want to be like husband of the year. I want to be like her champion in every way. But here I am, this fuddy-duddy that doesn't like social gatherings. I don't like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I decided to pluck that weed. And that's a concept we talk about in the book is here was a character trait that was not congruent with who I wanted to be. And, and, so, and what that character trait was that you, was it that you didn't want to be with people? or you didn't trust them because there was also another story in the book, which yeah. I featured in my blog today, which yeah. Lauren, if we can post the link to my blog today would be awesome about you and your, you trusted someone at school. Yeah. I'll, sh I'll, sh I'll share that right. because at the time I didn't know that. Right. So this is, this is what led me to that discovery mm -hmm. is I didn't know. I didn't know it was a trust issue. I just thought maybe I'm just super introverted. Maybe I just, you know, don't like being social. Right. And, um, and so I'm like, you know what, what the hell's wrong with me? I'm going to dig into this. And so I got with um, one of my coaches, who's a, a hypnotist, a mindset coach, and he helped me uncover and remember a major source of betrayal in my life, which uh, when I was in the third grade, my teacher knew that something was off. Right. She knew that something, you know, yeah. I don't know what she suspected. I don't know if she knew whatever, but she had me start meeting with a guidance counselor. One day she says, Hey, I want you to start meeting with guidance counselor. I'm like, okay. You know, I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so I start meeting with her and, you know, she starts asking me questions and I literally never got to talk to anybody. I mean, when I was home, I had to be outside until it was dark by myself and I wasn't allowed to go to friend's house. I wasn't allowed to have people over. When I came inside because it was dark, I was to sit in my room until, you know, my stepmom went to sleep and then she'd tell me to go to bed. Did you, you have siblings? Did you have siblings? I had a stepsister mm -hmm. and, you know, the later years she became sympathetic to my plight and was actually, you know, uh, she was rebelling against how I was being treated later uh, in my life. In the early years, I don't think she really understood what was going on. Oh, yeah. But um, at this point, so you were alone. You literally could trust alone. no one. So you're talking to the teacher. You'd go home. You'd be alone. You talk yeah. to the counselor. And so I, I started opening up to the guidance counselor because it felt nice. It felt nice to talk to somebody and, and 
you know, she's asking me all these details and I'm, I'm sharing away because no one ever asked me what I thought. I wasn't allowed to have an opinion. Right. And then one day I show up for the meeting and it's her and my stepmom and my dad. And she proceeds to say every single thing I've ever told her because she thought it was so outrageous because there's some crazy stories in there. And she thought it was so outrageous that I just needed attention. And she was, I know looking back, she was trying to help. And, uh, but, but she definitely didn't, uh, it was not helpful at all. It was a very bad day. Uh, life got harder after that. And, um, but at that point I didn't realize it, but at that point I turned all trust to other humans off. So I no longer trusted people. Right. And, and so how that showed up in my professional career many decades later is, you know, I would go and speak at an event and I speak, you know, my biggest audience was 23,000 people. I'll speak at a, you know, multiple times, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, and I'll go, I'll rock that stage. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm, I'm beelining it to my hotel room. And, and I really didn't know why, but I would get social anxiety. My, you know, I would, I would literally start to shake by just being around people that wanted to talk to me. It's, it makes no sense. And, you know, when Jess wants to go to a social gathering, I would be like, oh, do we have to go? Or we'd go, hey, can we leave? I was always trying to get out of social situations. I didn't want to speak. I didn't want to connect. I didn't realize that what I was actually doing is keeping people at a distance so they couldn't hurt me. Right. And what happens with that is it's, that's never how it's translated. It's translated as you're, an, you're a jerk or you're an egotistical maniac, or you think you're better than everybody. I actually thought I was worse than everybody. And I thought that, you know, my self-worth just wasn't there. Right. And, and so um, addressing that and realizing that, um, one question that my coach asked me, he said, well, well, guess what? You know, you could still, even with this awareness, you could still be betrayed, but you know, what, what do you, what conclusion do you draw from that? And it, it took me some time, but I'm, you know, he helped me out and he said, it's their loss. And so that, that really kind of clicked with me. It's like, you know what? I do have good intentions. I do want to help people. I do want to make a difference. I'm not out to, you know, be malicious or greedy or selfish or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it is their loss. And so that has completely altered me socially. So, you know, I don't, I no longer, dread going to the social situations. I no longer dread connecting with people, knowing that I could, I could still be lied to or betrayed or, or whatever, but that would be their loss. And for me to keep everyone at bay is just not a smart you know, way to show up. So it's amazing to me though, when I hear stories like this, that, you know, so that's enormous. And yet you face those fears and you push through it. Right. You know, and that could have been your, your landmark act, you know, that I'll show you because you're, you're like my competitive daughter. The best way to get her to motivate it, to motivate her is go, someone else could do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll show or, you. Or you can't. I love that. Like, right. I, exactly. It nourishes so, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it always amazes me and fascinates me that when the people, stories of people that face those fears and faced what you dealt with as a child and then faced you were a million dollars in debt. You were, you know, were at the top of the world and then you were the bottom of the world and ruined. And you pushed yourself back and that people are able to do that. And that you know, kind of fears, those are huge fears. Fears come in all shapes and sizes. Some people are a little bit fearful and yet they get paralyzed. So I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what's your opinion? Like, 
is it nature or nurture, like to be able to overcome fears? Because the goal of this conversation is for anybody that's out there that has fears. And oh, by the way, that's everybody that's out here that's watching has some fear or another. But I don't like people to go, I'm just fearful. I can't help it. I'm just a worrier. I can't help it. Um, and that so that is it like some people definitely are born vulnerable, uh, you know, I think more sensitive than others. But, you know, what's your opinion in terms of nature and nurture? And can anybody be coached and taught to face those fears, see those fears, face those fears and overcome their fears? Yes, um, I, I believe anyone can, but there's a couple elements that are required. Um, one, they have to want to, right? I wanted to. I, I didn't like my personality and how I was showing up. So I, I wanted to fix it. Okay. So that's, that's number one. Number two, is, second, though. you didn't like your personality, but did you know you were fearful or was it just that you weren't happy? Like for people to get down to that, it's fear. And do they have to like, you know, to, to, to find that, that fear that, because that's such a, I didn't know it was fear. Right. But it's such a I, deep emotion. Like you think it's yeah. this, but yeah. really deep down inside and to, to really expunge it, you need to see and feel. See yeah. That. Well, I'll, I'll give you, so yes, I, I did not know it was fear. I just knew it was a part of my personality that didn't, didn't, con, wasn't congruent with who I wanted to be. Um, so I wanted, I wanted change. Um, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a client that, you know, she came to me and she said, Hey, what can I study to help me think better about money? And she said, as soon as I start making more money, I feel like I, I get anxious, I get nervous, and I and I I start to sabotage. And and I just took a wild stab just from doing this for a lot of years. And I said, Do you have a sibling? And she's like, Yeah. And um, and I said, Okay, you know, describe that relationship. And her sister was someone who constantly screwed up and got negative attention. She was always the champion, got positive attention. And so, you know, taking all of our, you know, we, we talked quite a bit here, but at the end of the day, she was associating the more achievement she had that it was making her feel bad about her sister, which oh, had nothing to do with her achievements. So she had success guilt. Yes. And, and specifically because she felt like the more accolades the world gave her was kind of like mom and dad giving her accolades when her poor sister over there is not doing too well. And so, you know, you can, that's something you'll mm -hmm. very difficult to know without a third party looking in. And right. so uh, I think that's another element of you to really and truly dig into your deep fears. You, you almost always, I think, need a, a third party to look in and kind of you know, analyze and say, hey, have you thought about this? And, um, and so that's definitely what helped me too. So when you have hurdles, when people have hurdles in their lives and challenges, um, is it generally a fear that's underneath it? You know, they'll kind of go again, I'm no good at money. I can't sell. You and I, before, before we went live, I was talking about, I don't know how you can make 20 phone calls a day and have so much energy because I'm like a turtle, right? I'm out there. I'm like, I seem personable right now, but I promise you, I get off of this and I go, okay, let me go into my little cave for a couple of minutes <laughs> and regenerate. It doesn't take me long, but it, it sure. comes back out. So, um, but, you know, does, does like, to, to underneath any of those challenges, 
is there always some fear, fear of success, fear of harming someone, fear of um, not, you know, letting people down? I mean, those are some of the common fears that run around. I, I mean, I really think so. I, I think that um, not only is it a fear, but it's something that came from a, uh, an event in the past. And, you know, I think that, you know, usually there's some kind of engagement with an authority figure or, you know, teacher, mom, dad, uncle, whatever, um, that, that, that instilled something, you know, one thing that, um, I remember reading, and this was very enlightening for me, but I remember reading one of, uh, Marianne Williamson's books mm -hmm. and she talks about how, um, as girls are, are growing up, right, as, as they're the, you know, dad or the, the daughter on, on, you know, dad's knee, mm -hmm. right, and they, then they start to blossom, and it starts to get weird for dad, and, you know, maybe, the, you know, hey, weird for girls too. let's not sit on my lap anymore, yeah. Yeah. and some draw the conclusion that it's my body that has disconnected me from my dad, so they gained weight, and oh, so if I, if, if, if they draw that association that, oh my God, my connection with my dad is less now because I'm in great shape, then let me gain weight. Maybe I'll gain that back, but then they, they keep it on and they don't remember or even know why they ever gained it. And that, that came, that's not my revelation. That's right. from, you know, Marianne Williamson. And, um, and so there's, I've, I've discovered all kinds of things like that. Um, we had uh, at last year, we do an annual event called Rankmakers Live. And last year we did live laser coaching. We're just bringing people up and be like, what's your problem? And, and so this, this lady is like, oh, I, I just, I just can't do a video. I just, oh, no, thank you. And, uh, and I just said, what happened? What was the instance in your life where you were really embarrassed? Mm -hmm. And, and she, you know, she was kind of taken off guard by that. And then she recalled that at her, I think high school graduation, uh, she got up there and, and, you know, really screwed up the speech or something like that. And people made fun of her and stuff. And so that was, she's been projecting that on any public display or speech or anything ever since. And so I told her, I'm like, listen, those kids can't hurt you anymore. You know, that's not, that's, they're not around to mock you. And, and if someone does mock you, guess what? There's people out there that you could inspire. And so I tell her, I want you to do your video now. And we, we break the connection. She does a video. We come back from break. We review her video. And it's amazing. Wow. <laughs> She's been doing a video every day since for oh, like a year. Awesome. And, and so like, you know, you, but without that, you don't, you're fighting uphill. And, and here's, you know, I, I saw, I heard something great from Bob Proctor just the other day. And he said, we don't express anxiety. We suppress it. Mm -hmm. So for achievers, like, like, like me, like you, like, like many, uh, for achievers, I liken it to you take your things that happen to you, the trauma, the abuse, whatever, losing it, being made fun of, being, you know, having your heart ripped out, being, you know, mistreated, betrayed, et cetera. And you kind of shove it into a closet and then you start stacking awards in there and saying, see, those <laughs> things don't bother me. Yep. Look, I got Inc. 5000. Look, I'm a best-selling author. Look, I got a successful company. Look, I, you know, I got kids now. And, 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 but the problem is you can never fully block it out. And, and so for you to tap into your potential, you, you need to be able to say, okay, this happened. 
and I don't have to dwell on it, but this is why I reacted. This is how I show up this way and I can choose to show up differently. And, and so that's very different than trying to stack achievements against and suppress. Right, and hide it away. And I wanna just, in terms of the woman that was afraid of you know, what they were all saying that, that failed on stage, you know, another landmark lesson that I recall very well is that when we make those mistakes and for us, it's magnified, right? The right. whole world saw us trip the whole, and that it's the biggest thing in the world that happened to us. But the fact of the matter is they forgot. No one remembers. No one remembers. No one paid attention five minutes later. And if she yeah. called up every single person in that audience today, they would have no idea or recollection. So that right. we spend our lives killing ourselves on yeah. some stupid thing that we did. And literally nobody remembers it whatsoever. Right. They could care less. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So, which is an important- They got their own stuff going on. They got their own issues right. that they blow out of proportion. Right. They're worried about what they, you know, who, where the, what right. the, you know, steps they tripped up when they went onto stage. Right. Um, but that's a really important lesson for people to realize because yeah. we do, we play, we get so afraid of the judgment and these things that happen and it just holds us back so yeah. desperately. Yes. Um, so let's talk about some of the strategies for overcoming those challenges. You had, um, I, don't, I think, I don't know if I wrote this down because you inspired me to write it down or it was something that was in your book about like fear holds us back from 90% of our life. And yet we avoid like a 1% problem. Like to me, I don't know if that came from your book or if it was something that I said, like, because fear holds us back from so much. And yet that like, it's a, it's really a small problem that we avoid and it's easy to get past it if we want to. Yeah. And and we also, you know, like our, our subconscious wants us safe, right? And, and it will do weird things to make us safe. So I'll, I'll give you one example that I don't, I don't know that I have this in the book because I don't know that I had this revelation by, by the time we finished the book. So my whole life, I have really struggled with remembering names. And like, I mean, I've studied, I've read books on memory. I've, I've, I've worked with, I worked with a memory guy for a little bit. I, it's just like terrible. And so I decide, you know what? That's, I'm going to pluck that weed. I'm, that's a, that's an area I just don't like. After I figured out the social anxiety thing, um, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tackle this next, right? This is a part of my personality. I don't like people come up and say, Hey, Ray. And I'm like, hello. You. I've been to six of yeah. your events, don't you remember? Right. What's that? Yes, exactly. I've been to six of your events. Oh, oh, oh they'll say something. Right. They're like, oh, I've had dinner at your place three times. I'm just like, oh my God, like, I'm <laughs> terrible. And uh, and so I I started doing something. So and, and it came to two realizations. So first, before I enter into a party, I say, Thank you for my memory, thank you for my memory, thank you for my memory. And and I remember like 95% of the names now. Right. However, what I realized is my desire to not be connected to people gave me a bad memory. Because if I don't remember people's names, then they probably won't like me. That's the kind of underhanded sabotaging stuff that your subconscious will do. Right. It was actually preventing me, no matter how hard I tried from remembering names, because it's like, you know what? If, you know, if they don't think I like them or remember them, then they can't possibly like me. Wow. So it's, it's wild. So you'll, you'll do things like that where you're sabotaging. Um, this is, you know, one of the things where, you know, people will go from relationship to relationship, relationship, and somehow the, the new person always turns into the old person, 
well, you're the only constant, mm-hmm. right? not all the same people, but you are. And, and so like, that's, you know, you will create sabotage without that understanding of the fear. Wow. So now, so again, fears are underneath these challenges and challenges are masking these fears. And right. it's so to be able to get to the fears, do you need, how do you start? So you, you identify, you talk about identifying the challenges. Yeah. I de- identify a character trait that you don't like and be willing to dig in, be willing to say, why, why am I that way? What causes that? And for me, and, and I, I suspect for most people, you may need some, some third party help there. You may need a coach, you may need a, a, a mentor or therapist or, or whatever, um, you know, to help you, to help you link that because there's a lot of times, you know, me not remembering people's names, I would not associate with my guidance counselor from third grade. That wouldn't make any sense, but they were linked. And, and so, um, you know, getting help in that arena. And there's a, there's a few books that talk about this. Uh, Our book definitely talks about it. Um, The Big Leap by uh, Gay Hendricks talks about it. And there's another one that talks about it. Um, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics kind of talks about it, uh, Mart's. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, you sat, you, you showing up in a way that is ma- like you said, masking the fear, right. but it's characteristics that you, that you don't like, that you wish were improved with yourself. Now, and, some people um, are not as self-aware as you are. And some people are not as dedicated to being that, or they're, you know, I, true. I this is my new thing lately that people are so dis- disassociated between their mind and their body and their emotions. And they're all just kind of these. <laughs> I hate to talk about Mr. Potato Hood, given all that's going oh, on, right now, but it's like so you know, parts that are stuck together, right? Uh, that are stuck on each other, but they're not necessarily connected. They're just these puzzle parts. But um, there are like, there are a couple of things you talk about there, like where you say, you know, ask yourself, even if you don't want to dig into your fears to overcome the challenges, what would my life be like if I wasn't, if I didn't have that in my way? And you talked about the guy, your boss at Winn-Dixie. Yeah. Um, who was the, was stuck, like he was the biggest stuck thing in the world at a job he hated and but refused yeah. to leave. And, I, and I'm forever grateful for him. I mean, he helped me at a very impressionable age. So uh, when I was, I think 18, I wanna say, um, I, for the previous several years had been hanging out with a, a rough crowd. Um, I'll show you was very destructive back then. Um, you know, very, very involved in drugs and the wrong type of people, but I was the wrong type of people. So I wasn't the innocent little, you know, babe in the woods. Um, and so to get away from that, I, I took three jobs and one of them was working at Winn-Dixie at the graveyard shift. And, and so there was a, a manager there and, uh, and I went to him, you know, I'm impressionable. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, how does this stuff work? And he had been there at the time he was, um, I want to say it was, I think he was 32 or something like that. And I said, you know, Hey, you know, you're the manager here. Like, uh, you know, what's, you know, what's your, what's your, you know, career plan? And he goes, Oh, you know what? I'm going to stick it out here. And I've been here 12 years. I'm like, Oh, you must love it. He goes, Oh, I hate it. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, well, what do you mean? And, he, and I said, well, well, if you hate it, like, you know, I'm asking because I don't know. I don't know the world yet. I'm too young. Right. And and so I said, well, if, you know, if you hate it, why, why are you stick around? And he goes, well, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm making so much that I probably couldn't go anywhere and make any more. And at the time, I think he was making like 12 bucks an hour. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and back then that was, you know, not bad. It was above minimum wage at least. And, and that stuck with me my entire, every single career I had after I asked myself, am I staying here because I don't feel I can do better? And if that was the case, I had to get the hell out of there. And so, you know, I remember leaving, uh, I worked for a county government and worked my way up to a very good salary, which when you're in county government and you got a good salary, you don't leave, right? You just don't. I mean, unless you're stealing things, you're not right. going to get canned. Right. They have an unlimited budget. You're just, right. you're there right. forever. Right. Right. That's how it works. <laughs> and so I remember, you know, everyone was shocked when I, you know, when I left there uh, because I was no longer being challenged and I no longer, you know, enjoyed it. And I wanted to go, I went to the private sector to, you know, to challenge myself and not, not settle, you know, not settle for something that was, you know, less than what I, I felt I could, I could do. And right. so, so again, very, you were looking at the other side, if my life doesn't change, like, yeah. then what would my life be like if it, if I got over this fear? Yeah. And what will my life be like if I just stayed here in my safe space? Right. Um, right. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, that manager uh, a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, the local newspaper wrote an article about my my wife and I. And uh, that's when mom knew I had made it. You know, I had shared the stage with Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Kiyosaki, spoken in front of 20,000. None of that meant anything, but the local paper, now, now I've made it. She, she's so cute. She, huh? she could show that to the girls. At the exactly. Right. She was so cute. She cut out clips and she sent it up to Indiana, to the paper in Indiana. To, wow. You should feature my son. And so it was, it was great. But Chad, right. the manager, happened to see that and reached out to me. He says, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me. I'm like, boy, do I? Like, you know, this was, you know, you know, 20 years later. And I, I remembered right. him vividly because right. he had taught me a major lesson that he didn't right. know. Right. Still with Winn-Dixie, still hated it. And, you know, is what it is. Right. And that's, again, this is what I want. You know, people, there are a whole bunch of people again watching that feel like they can't change. Yeah. And the whole point of this whole conversation is, yes, you can. Yes. You do not have to be stuck and you can face those fears and you can, we're going to talk in a second about, you know, some other strategies for it. But I want to ask you, because again, this is so fascinating to me. So there you were, I'm going to call you a gang member. I don't know if you weren't in a gang, but whatever it was, you were not that far off. You weren't a gang, but you were in a bad crowd. You were doing drugs. You were, you were a mess. You were, you were every mother's nightmare. I'm going to call you. Yes. Right. If you were my child. I'd be upset. Yes. But I'd be very proud of you now. And I love that your mom is now very <laughs> proud of you. But my point is, and you were a teenager, like to find the strength to, to have that realization that you're in a bad place and to walk away from that group, because that was good or bad, that was your crowd. Right. right. So that, you know, that's why do people join gangs? Because that is their family when they don't have anyone else for good or bad. Right. That really is a lot of the motivation in there. So again, the strength and courage that it takes to to realize you're in a bad place and then to step away, I yeah. think is enormous. And credit to you. And you know, talk about that for a second, because I think yeah. there are a whole lot of people who are back to fear, afraid to make that leap from their safe place, even if they know they're in a horrible marriage, a horrible job, horrible, you know, friend group, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I had, um, 
several bad things happen. Um, I was totally in love with this girl, um, found out, you know, she cheated on me with two of my buddies. I um, tried to kill myself, ended up getting Baker acted. Um, and uh, I remember after that, just thinking, you know what, I, I got to change. And, um, you know, I got out of that facility and I hadn't seen my mom in quite a while. And, you know, and I just said, hey, can I come home? And she, you know, let me come home. I stopped responding to every phone call. I stopped hanging out with all of them. And it's, it's interesting because just maybe, maybe two months ago, one of my old, you know, running buddies, one of my old, you know, guys from, from high school, and actually this was technically after high school, we hung out in high school, but then a couple of years after high school, we were still hanging out. And I was, you know, we were living in a, you know, party house, et cetera. And um, a couple months ago, one of those guys commented on a post I did, and I, I forget what post it was, but it was something about, uh, you know, something inspirational. And he says, to be honest, Ray, I thought you'd either end up in prison or a casket. Wow. And, um, and it was interesting for my now crowd to see that because right. <laughs> that's so different than how I am now. Right. Um, but that was, you know, very real. And so although I cut off all ties and didn't hang out with them, didn't, you know, went years without seeing any of them, it's interesting the kind of respect that some of them, you know, still give me, um, sure. you know, we happen to be connected on Facebook and they, you know, see my stuff. When you made that break, did you feel free or did you feel guilty or yes, both of each? Hmm. I, part of me felt a little afraid um, because, you know, I was, you know, I was involved in some heavy stuff. Um, you know, a lot of drugs, a lot of, you know, in fact, strangely enough, like the day maybe after, I think it was the, either the night or the day after I stopped hanging out with everyone, a lot of them were in this like big fight and a lot of them got arrested and, you know, and, you know, there was some bad stuff. Um, I actually, um, years later, I had to testify at a murder trial and it was, um, you know, pretty weird and surreal. You know, it was, um, you know, it was actually my friend's little brother who I didn't, I didn't really hang out with him, but you know, my good friend's little brother had killed a guy and it was where I, it was close to where I used to live and I had to go in there and, and, you know, testify. It was very strange. Um, so I think part of, I think I was, I, I didn't feel free. That's, you know, I, that's for sure. But I think two, two things. One, i i I had some fear. I was afraid of running into them, you know, in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I, you know, you don't know how that, do, that, back, right? you don't know how that's handled. Yeah. Um, and two, I had something new, which was most important. I had something new to focus on, which was career. Mm -hmm. And so I very much put every ounce of effort into my career of rising the ranks of working the right. way up the corporate ladder, et cetera. So it gave me something positive to focus on but I, I was, I was looking around, over my shoulder, uh, you know, pretty often because I, you don't know how that's, right. it's not usually reacted to positively. You know, you're seen well, as a traitor, you're seen as, you know, someone know now you're better than us, you know, kind of thing. In that circumstance. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so you talked about that you focused on your career. So I think that's, that's a good segue into some of the other steps for overcoming your fear. And you're a big man of action. The, mm -hmm. the, the, actions, the more you're in action, the more success that you have. The more you're in action, you're able to push through some of these things. So you talk about you start with one small step at a time. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about a, a process um, called vision stepping. And, and that is um, having a vision of, of what you want to accomplish, of where you want to go, and um, what is the first step. And so I'll give you, a, you know, one of my favorite examples that came from, you know, we did two seasons of a reality show where people came from all over the world to compete for a job with us. And I remember I was coaching one of the contestants and I said, you know, what's one major thing in your life that, that you want to accomplish um, that would be, you know, meaningful? And they said, well, you know, my parents have done so much for me and I, I just want to, you know, reward them for, for being, you know, so supportive of me and I want to buy them a house. And I said, okay, awesome. You know, that's great. Uh, how long have you had this goal? 10 years. Okay. Um, and what progress have you made, you know, on this goal? And, uh, and you could tell that, you know, she had, you know, pitched this idea many times, you know, she had that, she had the pitch down and she said, well, you know, I've, I've shown my parents, you know, different houses. And I said, okay, you know, how much, you know, how much money have you saved for it? She hadn't saved any. Um, do you know, you know, what kind of house? Do you know what the payment plan? I want to buy it cash. I'm like, okay, I want to buy it cash. Right. You got no money saved. You're in California. Okay, how much per month can you put aside? She said, $100. Okay, how old are your parents? Uh, they're in their late 60s. So by the time they're 150 years old, they'll have that house. <laughs> they'll have a bungalow. They'll have a bungalow. It'll be amazing. Right. And, and, you know, I just kind of, you know, thought about that a little bit. And so that is indicative of a lot of people. A lot of people want to do some amazing, you know, impact or change or help the homeless or the hungry or the abused or, or the whatever. They have this huge goal of a huge why, a huge, you know, thing that they want to make a difference on, but they never take the first step. They never open the bank account and put some money in it. They never research how much is financing because let's at a hundred bucks a month, let's just rule out paying cash. That ain't happening. And, and so right. like, you know, they, they, they don't do the, the next step. They just master the pitch. And so a lot of people have mastered the pitch of why they do what they do, but they haven't actually progressed. And well, so vision stepping is, holding her back. Like it's easy to talk about that. I've got this goal, but then they're deep inside. She's afraid of whether or not she can really do it or whatever. Like sure. I would say that, you can't, you can't fail if you don't try. Yeah. And, but the more that you, I, I believe the more that you pitch that thing you want to do, but you're not actually in integrity in the pursuit of it, mm -hmm. the more you damage yourself, the right. more you, the less you believe yourself. Right. And, and, and so the more, the more promises you make that you don't keep, mm -hmm. I don't, I think as a human that has to affect you in some way that has to damage your own credibility which if you can't trust you why why the hell should anyone else so and what so you recommend people then to take small steps that you've got kind of what's the next step time. take right. the next step what's the next step so for example i had um a friend that he had a goal of you know he uh, attends a church that he loves and he there were a lot of families that go to that church that are, are you know very you know in poverty and 
And, you know, sometimes they're, they can't send, you know, their kids to school with lunch. And so he had a goal of, I want to provide lunches for all, all these different families. And, and I said, okay, you know, how long you had this? He'd been thinking about it for a couple of years. I'm like, how about we feed one? How about, how about we get one family under the belt, right? Like, why don't we start actually impacting somebody before you can impact everybody? Right. And, and that's how you inspire people. You know, um, I love Tony Robbins story where, you know, he talks about, I mean, now he feeds millions of, of, of people a year, but it started with one family. Then it started with a minivan where he would, you know, load up and he'd impact five families. Right. And so like you do what you can right now, not in the future, not a blueprint, not a perfect, I'm going to impact everybody, but what, who can we impact right now? And I think that's, what's you know most important. I love that. So um, Vicki asked a question. Actually, I was going to ask a similar question. She asked about how did you find what fueled your passion? I'm going to broaden that question because a lot of people, you know, it's all easy to say, find your what you talk about, finding your why in your book, sure. you know, finding your passion or whatever it is. A lot of people don't know where to start. Like they just don't know. They are earnest. They're hardworking. But like they just don't even know where to begin, especially people who have been focused on other people, mothers in particular, who are so focused on family, focused on their kids. Now the kids are gone and they're going, oh, what do I do now? And they don't know how to find what fulfills them. So what's your advice? How do people start to find what that path might be? Two two things. Um, One is for a lot of us, it it comes from our past wounds. It comes from our past um, scars, I should say, not wounds, but our past scars. So for me, you know, impacting kids, you know, I'm on, you know, two different charity boards for kids. Um, I'm um, helping a a, a foster care program uh, next month and speaking at a a ball and a fundraiser. And so, you know, on my, I think about my story can impact a lot of kids. You know, I want, and one of the main main missions of the book is to share that you can have a bad life, uh, you can have a bad past and still create a great life. And that great life can inspire people. And so um, that I would say is the number one source is, you know, where were you neglected or abused or traumatized or what obstacles did you overcome? Because the fact that you survived them is an inspiration to those people who are struggling, still struggling with that. You know, there are plenty of people that went through child abuse that, you know, unfortunately, that has been the reason that they didn't get that promotion or didn't succeed in business or didn't have a great relationship or, you know, don't know how to parent because a lot of a lot of kids, you know, that have been abused, they never felt the loving embrace of someone. And so they struggle with parenting. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've had to do a lot of work on that and that never had a deep conversation with dad and that didn't exist. And right. so like, I've had to learn how, how do I learn this stuff? Because I, I didn't experience it like most, most people. Um, and so I say that's the number one. Number two is go out there and do something. You know, um, I have friends that they run a company called uh, Unique and, um, you know, they, they just heard about a story of, you know, one of their friends who had been, uh, you know, sexually abused and they said, man, you know, we, we have the money, we should do something about this. And neither of them had been victims, right. but they were inspired by, by someone's story. And so they started a, a company to fund sending women to these retreats that help them heal. 
And, and so they've now, I think they've helped like 8,000 or 9,000 women. They've sent them for free to a center to help them with healing. That's extremely admirable. Now they didn't have the trauma themselves. They didn't have the abuse themselves, but they, they went out there and did something. They felt the goodness of that. And they decided to really, you know, pedal down on that. And so I would say, um, you know, if you didn't deal with trauma abuse or, or things like that, you're probably in the minority, um, but you don't want to have victim envy. I've had people tell me that they're like, you know, man, I really wish I went through some of your stuff. So I, I'm like, no, you don't, <laughs> you don't want that. That's silly. Uh, and, but you know, some people overthink things. So you go and do what you can and find that feeling. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that helped me in my career that I totally didn't plan was me sharing the story of, of reconnecting with my dad after 13 years of not talking to him. And I didn't realize that that story would go on to generate hundreds of letters from people that reconnected with their dad, their mom, their sister, their brother, their aunt, their uncle. And, and so, you know, go out there and do something. You don't have to you know, maybe you go and you, you know, feed, feed the homeless and maybe you find that, man, I really like this. Or maybe you go and serve at a soup kitchen or maybe you go and, uh, you know, Habitat for Humanity or something like that to, you know, to really find your, you know, your passion and what, what moves you. I think there are actually a couple points I want to underscore in that. One is that, like, and, and I don't know if this is under Vicky's question, that people think that they have to find their one passion. And what you're saying here is actually passion can exist. You can have many passions. Sure. And that it doesn't have to be a single, this is my soul's journey. Now, yeah. you know, there could be some primary one, but it's okay if you have multiple and you find one. And if you feel like you're doing good and you're inspired by that. The other thing that you said, and this I think comes through powerfully in the book, when you're talking about people finding what they want to sell out there, like your life. Like through life, everybody has something like you think your life is boring and it's just you and it's just what you dealt with, but it's fascinating to someone else out there and that everybody has their unique story to tell and everybody has their unique skills to share. Yeah. And that, okay, we don't realize it, but you know, we're all fascinating creatures that other people can learn from you so that not to diminish it, you know, again, back to like the self-talk of and limiting, right. limiting beliefs. Um, right. You know, we, you and I can talk for hours. I want to just real quickly talk about, speaking of limiting beliefs, um, your wife, Jess, had a, a, um, an exercise that she, she went to a seminar that they did, which I think was such a great exercise, the limiting beliefs. Again, back to fear and call it limiting beliefs, call it fears, call it chat, whatever it is, they're all variations and how do we break through? And I love this exercise. Um, so can you talk about the limiting beliefs exercise real quick? Yeah, it's where, you know, you identify the belief that you're holding and, and you just identify, okay, what's the exact opposite? If I flip that, what is the exact, you know, opposite? Um, so, um, you know, maybe it's, I know one of my fears uh, many years ago was investing in a coach or investing, you know, putting a lot of money into a mastermind or a coach or, or whatever. So, what's the fear? Oh, that, you know, I'm going to lose it all. I'm not going to get my money's worth. It's not going to be, what's the flip side of that? I learned something that completely alters the speed of, of the growth of my business. And I get to impact more people. Right. And, and I've seen, you know, that scenario play out many, many, many times. Um, you know, so the, 
you know, I'm going to lose or I'm going to look stupid right. to I'll have a great story. <laughs> and, and so was about, she, her limiting belief was that she was too young for yes. what she was doing. And yeah. then she flipped, flipped that into a strength. Power. Right. Right. So there's, it, it was great. You write it on one side of the paper, then you write the, the opposite, the limiting belief on one side and then the opposite, literally flip it over and switch yeah. your whole perception on it. Yeah. Um, and just, and just the visual and physical act of doing that, it, you, uh, you start to, you know, shred the, the fabric of reality between the two dimensions. And, and so, um, it, it is a very powerful exercise because if you stare at the one side and that's it, then you're probably going to stay where you are because everything involves some kind of risk, mm -hmm. you know, just go into a social event. You could, you know, slip and fall, you know, you could look like an idiot, you could right. rip your dress, whatever, um, you know, but on the flip side, you could meet the man of your dreams, or you could, you know, uh, connect with that amazing charity that totally fulfills your heart. Yep. And so, you know, it's looking at, you know, the, the flip side, when you feel that fear, say, okay, quickly, what's, what's the exact opposite of this? Right. You know, what might happen for right. the good? Right. Love it. Um, real quickly, one last question. Speaking of fear, the world is opening up. People are so afraid of COVID. They're so afraid, even, you know, you got vaccinated, but you still have to stay away, all that sort of stuff. Do you have any advice for people as the world is opening up in terms of facing their fears of COVID? I know you're not a doctor and you don't play one on TV, Correct. but as, you know, as people are, you know, you know, going back to the office, trying to resume some kind of normalcy, do you have any advice for people in terms of facing those fears? Yeah, so um, there's, I mean, there's, there's a few things there. Um, in the book, um, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, which was written many, many, many years ago, um, I think the 30s maybe, um, and there's a, there's a case study in there where he talks about uh, a patient, uh, I think it was a patient of his, where the guy um, had uh, cancer and started taking, you know, this this kind of medication, whatever, and you know he, he started you know feeling better and, and tumors you know started shrinking and, and things were going well, and then um, you know I guess the newspapers or whatever back then, right? Um, they came after it and they said, hey, this medication no good, and and so his stuff started coming back okay uh -huh. and the doctor kind of thought you know i think some of this is psychosomatic i think some of this is may maybe in the head i don't know and so he tells the guy and of course they can't do this nowadays but he tells the guy that he has an advanced version of it and he, he's got there's an updated formula advanced yeah. version of it starts giving him uh saline water sh tumor shrink okay and uh, and then newspaper comes out and they end up blasting it and, he, and it comes back and you know not a great story. The reason I, I, I share that is that how you think matters about your immune system, about sickness, um, you know. And un unfortunately, the media needs power, and and they you know it is a real disease, right? There's not not you know there's no question there. There have been people die. There's no question. But the amount of time you spend thinking about it is completely up to you. And, and so the, you know, 
the thinker thinks the prover proves. That's a, um, a quote from a gentleman named George Zalicki. And so if it's what you're thinking about all the time, then I don't know that a vaccine will actually help you. And that's you know just my advice is focus on what you want in your life. Um, and you know that doesn't mean you know just gaily skip through through life and you know you may you may not be able to gaily slip you know skip through life and not think about it. Um, but if you're dwelling on it, if you're catching every single article about it, if you're watching every ounce of news that you can possibly find about it, then that is what's permeating your mind. And that, that unfortunately, you may see more and more evidence to that. So I'd be very careful what you put in your mind um, and, you know, operate on your level of, of safety, whatever that, you know, whatever that level is. Great. And download the immune book. And build if there's any correlation, just so this doesn't get canceled. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it, no, there's not between, like, I can't prove that do this and do that. Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, the stronger you are and mind body, and there's all sorts of studies that are out there in terms of, sure. um, you know, attitudes and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, so thank you. Thank you very much, Ray Higdon. You're awesome. Um, your website again, higdongroup.com. Yep. Um, read the book, Time, Money, Freedom. It's conveniently over his shoulder. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about mistakes that parents make when they feed their kids. Ooh. Nutrition is that building block of all of our healthy bodies for a healthy mind, for a healthy body, for happy emotions. Um, so vital. So that's next week at four o'clock. So come join me. Thank you very much, everybody. Go stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy. Thank you. We're living in an unprecedented time when trust in our media and news sources are at an all-time low. It seems that everyone has an agenda, if not a political one, then a business one, as media companies are beholden to advertisers or shareholders. Well, not at Bottom Line. We're a family-owned business and have been free from the influence of advertising since our start nearly 50 years ago, focused solely on helping people live happier, more fulfilled lives. Our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, provides advice that can be put into action each day, helping people do better and feel better. Thousands of top, highly respected, truth-seeking experts have appeared in Bottom Line Personal on topics in all areas of life, including healthcare, financial planning, home improvement tips, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.